0: You're listening to the Fearless Business Podcast. You're in the best place to learn about how to grow a business, get more clients, and make more money without fears and limitations, all while having fun in the process. Robin Waite is the founder of Fearless Business, a business accelerator helping coaches, consultants, and freelancers double their income and more. This is Fearless Business, and this is Robin Waite.
1: Welcome back to the Village Business Podcast. This is episode 16. It's your host here, Robin Waits, and I am super pleased to introduce our esteemed guest today, Dan Fister, who has worked with the likes of Tony Robbins, John C. Maxwell, and is going to be talking to us today about his business customer, Winback. So welcome to the podcast, Dan. Great to be here, Robin. Thanks for having me. It's an absolute pleasure. Uh, so first up, can you um, just give us a bit of a background about Dan? Like who, who is Dan and what have you been getting up to?
0: Sure. I'm, uh, I've been in love with uh, business all my life and I became a, a full-time entrepreneur in 1998 <laughs> Uh, it, was, it was, you know, it was really lucky timing at that time. You know, as you know, the uh, the internet was just taking off. There was massive amounts of opportunity, and we did really well for two or three years. And then uh, the dot com crash happened, and, and we got we got crashed, and so uh, we pivoted uh, that that business. And that business was uh, selling business book summaries. And that business called the Business Source. And so, what we did is we started working with uh, with larger companies, giving them the content content they needed uh, for their websites. And then we pivoted again in uh, 2007, and we started going after a lot of uh, individual subscribers. And we uh, we ended up with 50,000 of them. So that was uh, that was wonderful. And that kind of leads me into where we are now, and that's with the customer winback because. You know, when you've got uh, you know a large number of customers, uh, winning them back is a big deal. You know, and so what we found was that winning back customers is really relatively easy because, you know, like most businesses, you know, you do a good job for your customers and you don't do anything shady. And so there's a, you know, a a number of people will come back if you ask them. And I remember seeing Jay Abraham uh, talk about what he said was, he said that up to 60% of your past customers will come back if you approach them properly. And and that really stuck with me. And and so what I thought was, you know, we had created this this really powerful way of winning back lost customers and past customers. And so what we decided to do was make a business out of it. And um, it's really exciting because at the Business Source, the the the, the fastest, easiest most dependable way of growing our profits was with these win back campaigns. So, uh, so that is why that business got started. And that's where I am right now.
1: That's, it's so cool. And it kind of makes perfect sense because obviously we live in a world at the moment where you've got all of these marketing experts and gurus out there who are telling us to do all of these shiny kind of unicorn marketing tactics. And every business is spinning its wheels, spinning its wheels, trying to get more and more clients into their business when actually their best clients are probably already right in front of them
0: exactly and and you know it's it's really not our fault it's 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 you know everybody wants that new customer and it's because it's exciting it's fun it's that it's that chase and i remember hearing um I think his name is Robert Weiss. He talked about predatory drift and he said, you know, like when a dog <laughs> sees something running it wants to go and chase it and it's called predatory drift drift. And that's what, that's what a lot of entrepreneurs have. You know, they want to go chase that new thing and it takes a, it takes a lot of discipline to, to actually stop and say, no, we've got this huge asset here. We have spent all this time, money and effort to get this client. They've walked away for whatever reason. And, uh, and And it's our job to get them back because you know it's it's funny there's a there's a report put out by McKinsey and it said that up to it costs up to ten times more to get a new client back i'm sorry it it costs ten times more to get a new client than to get an old client back and it's 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 like why wouldn't you get a client back for a tenth the price and and you say well you know, what about customer lifetime value? Well, the thing is, is that in our experience and and in a lot of uh, uh, other people's experience, you actually earn more money the second time around with a client. And um, so I can give you examples of that, but, but... You I'll know, just leave it at
1: that. No, 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 um, please, please dive in. We love a good case study. So, oh, okay, okay, them, great, okay. The more, the more, the better, and the better the ROI, the better.
0: Okay, fantastic. So, so I, I guess uh, probably the, the best case study to give, uh, or one of the best, is one that was written up in the Harvard Business Review, March 2016, and what they had is a, a telecom company went out and they tried to uh win back their their customers and they had four different offers they put on the table. And uh their ROI was for the one that I focused on, for the type of stuff I do, their ROI was six hundred and ninety three percent. And and that's Pretty significant for a big, big company, and you know, if you want to go back to smaller companies, um, there's a, a big sales trainer, a tremendous amount of respect for him, Jeb Blunt, and in not his last book, but in the book before, he talked about winning back clients, and he he talked about one company and what they do is they just have uh, two callers phoning back, their for, phoning back their former customers, asking, you know, try, uh, re-engaging them, and they're pulling in hundred grand a month, and. Uh, The very first time, yeah, yeah. And the very first time we did a a win-back campaign, uh, we generated... What was it here? Here it is $29,751. It took us eight days and it cost us almost nothing to do because all we had to do was send out emails, okay? Uh, You know, inviting people back. Now, there's a process behind this, but the point is, it's not just me who does it or this big company or this relatively large company. Uh, All kinds of medium sized companies do it. I've I've seen companies make 70,000, 80,000 bucks in a couple of months.
1: gosh that's phenomenal and i'm just curious so before we you know i'm hoping you might share a few of those kind of um secrets with us as to kind of what that process looks like but one of the things i'm most interested to know is is why why do people why do customers leave in the first place is there some kind of dissonance going on in the marketplace that they think they can get something better somewhere else
0: well it's different with every business of course but if you wanted to just kind of take like something very general people like say for example uh you've got a a service that 10 other people have, right? Well, somebody, you might not be in, you might not keep in contact with them. And so the next time they need that service, they might go to whoever's in front of them at the time. Um, people might be lured away by a better price, so maybe they go away and then they and they never come back. But if you reapproach them, they might find you might find that that price isn't available anymore, or it might be that the people they didn't like that that other uh, company's uh, level of service. Uh, sometimes it's it's something uh, a little more serious. Maybe there's a customer service issue, and so. The whole thing is, is that if you run, you know, if you're an ethical person running a a business that delivers real value, what Jay Abraham said rings is, 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 is true up to 60% of your people come back. You might say, well, what about, what's the floor on that? Like, I mean, of course up to means, you know, whatever. Uh, Well, uh, marketing metrics says twenty to forty percent of your people will come back, you know, and in in my experience, it all depends on the previous relationship. So in the in the process I've got, we get, get we can get into that in a minute. In the process I've got, a, a big part of it is really understanding your lost customer. Um, maybe i could just go into it quickly cuz it's, it's it's germane right now Please that make okay yeah. great so the very first step of our process is we have to understand lost customer actually let me just step back one step further just make, we'll just give this we give you the full the full uh, the full view so if you go to uh, my website customerwinback.com we have an roi calculator so Before you even think about doing a customer win back campaign, just go to the calculator. Uh, You'll enter the number of lost customers you have, uh, what the customer lifetime value is. Um, You can select what percentage you think you win back. So, you know, if you think that you only win back 5%, put that in there. And then, uh, there's one other field for what you think it'll cost to win back your customers. Like we just, for, for us, we got our customers via uh, email. So what we do is we just send out emails. So the cost was very, very low. So what you'll do is you just run that through the calculator. It'll tell you what you can expect in new sales and what kind of an ROI you can expect. And we've never got less than a 16X ROI, just FYI. Wow, that's yeah. phenomenal. Yeah, so, you know, if it, you know any of your listeners... Or think you know is customer win back for me here's a two-minute way of just getting an idea you know is this for me because a lot of things aren't for everybody right I mean everything isn't for everybody so there's a there's the quick and dirty way of saying should I even look at this so so after we we determine that we've got something that's worth worth pursuing uh, the first question is uh, uh, you know um, We've got to okay. Let me put it another way. You've got to understand your lost customer. So what we do is the first thing we do is we find out, we found out why they left in the first place. We found we find out what it would take to get them back, and we find out what it would take to reengage them. So the way we do this is through a survey. So we try to get um, uh, we get them on the phone. We get, you know, with our customers, we've got a very good relationship, so we don't have to incent them. But, you know, you might have to give them like a Starbucks, a 10 bucks Starbucks card to get them on the phone or whatever. But you don't need to, you know, do this with all of your customers. What you need to do is just, if you can get maybe 20 of your people on the phone, uh, or even 10, it depends. What you do is you start calling them and you ask them, you know, you know, why did you leave? What would it take to get you back? You know, what do you, if your needs change, whatever. So, so what you do is you do that. and, And after a certain number of calls, you'll start hearing the same reasons over and over again and at that point you stop you say okay we've got the core things we need to know and when you have that now you can go and send an email out to all of your past customers and just ask them simply you know um you you you, you, you've left you haven't come back is it one of these four reasons or or what which of these reasons is it and then have another uh another a box for uh another reason and what you'll find is you'll find there's one reason will be much bigger than all of the rest. And and so what you do is you create a campaign based around fixing that problem or addressing that concern or that particular point. Does
1: that make sense? Absolutely, 100%. And is there, um? I mean, you talked about, obviously, the, the return on investment. Are there kind of businesses that this method works better for, would you say? Or are, are these results kind of fairly common across all industries?
0: Well, you know what I think is that the higher the uh, the lower the cost of goods sold, the more the, the better this is for you. So, for example, if you're a car dealership and you've got a three uh, percent, you know, uh, margin, um, it's going to be tough to make this work. But if you are a a coach or a consultant or an agency where your cost of goods sold are are very very low, right? You're selling your IP uh, and your and your advice. It's phenomenal. Right? You get a customer back, you don't have to put, you don't have to, you know, boot you don't have a a ton of hard costs around that. Does that make sense?
1: Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. And in terms of, so if we, if, if you, so you've taken, you've done the survey of the initial 10 people, you've, you've emailed the past customers and kind of dialed in on one specific sort of big problem. Exactly. And, And then you, you run a campaign addressing the specific issue. And I mean, in terms of obviously like if you were taking on a cold client, for example, there would still be objections and things like that. Is there still a sales process, which is, you know, involved in, in terms of bringing those customers back, or is it you know what's the friction like?
0: Okay, well, so let's just I'll just give you you know in in uh, in my business. So what we do is we talk to people. We found out why they left, what it would take to get them back, and and then what we did is we segmented people. And so what we did is we tried to find the people who could who are our lowest hanging fruit, the very best ROI. You're you know you're talking about a cold client, right? So they don't know. There's a lot they may not know about their customers yet. So let's take a look at the people who got the best ROI potential, and let's see if we can sell to them. Because if we can't sell to them, we can't. What's the point of doing a whole big campaign? Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah it makes okay. an absolute sense. Okay, so what we do is we find that 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 group with the best potential ROI, and we create a campaign specifically for them. So so let's just say that uh, the, the main reason that they aren't with you anymore is that they just thought that uh, um, they didn't need your service for a while and they just never thought about coming back or I didn't I, we, were, we didn't keep them engaged we didn't keep them in contact while they weren't while, while they weren't a customer. So, that's often the case with consultants, you know, you do a one-off job and then you don't have a real reason to go back to them or you don't keep them re-engaged. So going back, you know, this, this, this sort of thing great, works great for consultants that, that do one-off jobs, but it's also great for people who've got subscription services because often we find that, you know, people drop off just because, oh, you know, they were at a credit card pinch or something, you know, and they, it's Christmas time and they just, you know, dropped off a bunch of their subscriptions. So anyway, you you, uh, you create a campaign around this high ROI group and the simplest way of doing it is however you currently sell to people, you just do the exact same thing. So what we did is we, we tended to sell uh, to people with a three email cadence. So we, we did the exact same thing. We sold them with a three-email cadence. Now, if you typically sell over the phone, uh, then you do the same thing. You know, reintroduce your value, uh, create an offer that you think would be compelling enough to win them back. And if that compelling offer doesn't get your maximum ROI people to, to sign on, then you need to go back to the drawing board. You know, and perhaps you need to go back to some of them and say, you know, you said that this is what it would take you to get back, but you're not signing up. So, you know, what are we missing here? But it rarely takes that much to dial in because you already know these people. You were, they, they bought from you. And, you know, as Dan Kennedy said, a buyer is a buyer is a buyer. So they've had it. They've they've raised their hand before. They've, they've said they want what you've got. And they've actually put down their cold, hard cash. So if they've still got a need for your product, there's a very high probability they will come back. Back. And by, when I say high probability, I mean, you know, 20 to 40% or maybe up to 60% if you knock it out of the park, okay, just to be clear.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think, it, you know, one of the things I find fascinating about where um, business is going in this day and age, and I, I don't know what the stats are for Canada and states, so apologies, but in the UK, we just literally hit a tipping point where the same number of businesses went out of business, as started up, and it's the first time in 30 years that that has happened. So previous to that, we've always had more businesses starting up. And and I'm just curious about where marketing and business or where you feel marketing and business is going in the future, because clearly we've hit a tipping point whereby there are enough customers out there and we want to start getting those customers back. So what do you think might change in, in entrepreneur land over the next, I don't know, say three to five years?
0: Well, my, my viewpoint has always been things are on the, the environment is only going to get noisier and noisier and, it's going to be harder and harder to get new customers. So if you can ally yourself, you know, deliver some great value to somebody who already has your customers, uh, that's, I believe that's the way to go, you know? So, so be able to, you know, create some tremendous value for a partner and uh, who's, you know, in a very similar segment, but in a competitive, and we've had tremendous success doing that. I mean, that's just not our, you know, cost of acquisition, you know, really really low uh, and um, you just develop trust right people need trust there's all these people you know all these bright shiny objects flying around out there you don't know which one went to go after so uh, so this is the one that I would say if there was one thing that I would do I would create some tremendous value proposition for a partner um, and get the trust that they've already spent huge amounts of money developing with their client base
1: Cool. So it kind of sounds like that's a step four in your process and it's kind of double down on the partnerships and the opportunities which are out there. People who are doing similar things to you, similar sorts of audiences. Um, how can you uh, kind of maximize on those relationships with other business owners and make sure that you're kind of helping each other out? Exactly.
0: And the helping each other out part is, is, is huge. Um, in my previous business, we were extremely generous with our partners and what that did is that made them want to do more and more work with us and tell other people about us, you know? So it's kind of like the more generous you are, the it's, it's really, uh, you know, it's, it's the way to go. So don't cheap out on that is what I'm saying.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. And like, I'm, I'm a big fan, like with fearless business, we've slowly been bringing on board other, other coaches as well into the program. And, um, they've been able to add so much more value than for example, I could ever deliver on my own as a coach, just in my, within my own practice. Um, so I, I, I'm a big fan of the whole partnership model. And actually, uh, my coaches are, are now my biggest referrers into the program as well. So they're kind of almost pushing their stuff to one side to come and work with me, which is even better. It means that all of our clients get even better results. And do, do you feel when a client comes back, are they, would you say they were a, a better customer than maybe they were before? Oh,
0: definitely. They're, they're definitely a better customer because you know when you come on, on board with, with somebody to begin with, you're, you're given a promise. You don't know if they're going to fulfill in that promise. But if, you're, if you actually come back the second time, what we find is that the second, we call it the second lifetime value, um, is actually greater the second time around. And it's not just for us. It, I mean, that, uh, that uh, telecom company I mentioned in the uh, Harvard Business Review, uh, they did the same thing. Uh, so the, when people come around the second time they're they're sold on you they know they know they know what they're getting and you know you don't have to onboard these people you don't have to pay all that all that uh, money for advertising to get them into the into your funnel you know that you're the, the right the, the right that you're at the buying part of your funnel you know it's just it's 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 almost magical you know, it's just like, how could you not do this?
1: It's, it's, I, make it sound too easy. There's got to be, there's got to be something up with that.
0: But well, okay, oh, you know, you know, I, I was just talking to somebody the other day, and and he was saying that uh, he was uh, uh, he's a, uh, a consultant, and and he said that he just phoned five of his former customers. No, he phoned 15 of them and he had conversations with five of them and, and like three of them came on board and he got $50,000 worth of, $50,000 worth of business? 55000 some significant amount of business with those phone calls. And that's just really picking up the phone and saying, hi, how are you? And, you know, what are you doing? And, and there's a friend of mine who's an accountant who did the exact same thing. And he picked up a bunch of business. He, did, he didn't, have, he didn't uh, have a number for it, but... Uh, so anyway, if not, if you get nothing else out of this this phone call, pick up the phone and talk to people you haven't talked to in in say two or three months, who you had a good relationship with. Just pick up the phone. Just say hi, how are you? What's what's going on? I know this is not real you know, part of my process or anything, but you know you might just be shocked. And 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 if you can, you know, pick up a client or two with that, you might be more. Uh, you know, you might become a believer like I was, you know, it's hard to believe in, in, in things when, when you don't experience it. So that, that way that might, uh, that might do the trick for you.
1: Absolutely. And I, I think as well, like for, like you said, for most coaches, consultants and freelancers out there, where their clients are potentially worth quite a bit of money, um, you know, to make that one or two phone calls can actually be the thing which, um, we talked, you know, offline before we, we, we hit record, but about spinning up the flywheel to kind of build that momentum. And, and that's all it takes is just getting like one or two extra clients more than what you were getting previously when you were trying to do all of the marketing things. And I think that's kind of the, one of the biggest differences between struggle and success for a lot of small business owners. Exactly. You know, do what do it already
0: works is what you always hear. Well, here's something that will take a couple of hours out of your time, and you're going to hop out of your comfort zone, I'm sure. But man, if this can be if this can literally, if you can leverage all this hard work you did to get those clients and all the hard work you did for those clients, isn't it worth a couple of hours of your time just to see if this is if this if this idea has wheels? Release.
1: absolutely I, d- I definitely think it is um i'm curious as well like you um so kind of just changing tack slightly because i th- i think your your process is absolutely like awesome and i think everybody should um like you said push themselves outside their comfort zone and try this out i, I want to kind of rewind the clock a little bit just now to focus on dan um what was it for you? What was your defining moment where you kind of stepped outside your comfort zone for the first time and, and decided I'm going to be an entrepreneur. I'm going to start up my own business and do this thing.
0: What was the, what was the moment that made me do that? Yeah. Um, well I've always wanted to do it, but when I was, uh, you know, f- uh, working in an office, I, um, I just didn't have the confidence to do it. So what I did is I picked up uh, some of uh, Jay Abraham's stuff, and I think he charged five hundred dollars for a book or something at the time, something just ludicrous. Wow! <laughs> but uh, but uh, you know that's what Jay could do in those days. He could you know put people in a in a in a program for three days for twenty five grand, and you know people do that all the time now. But 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 Jay was the guy who could who basically um, gave me the the confidence to quit my job. <laughs> And, uh, and hop into it and what happened was uh, it, it was a massive flop when I first went out because I, I found that there was just so much I didn't know it was just nuts and it took uh, you know it took time to get on my feet but when I did find that thing uh, the, the, that, I, that I actually enjoyed doing and that that could make money um, that's when things really started to take off and again, there's, and there's luck involved too, right? Because you know, we were just getting in at the, uh, you know, when the dot-com praise was really happening. But we also got hit on the on the, on the rear end of that where we just got crushed. And a lot of companies couldn't recover, but we did. So I think the uh, the idea that you just got to keep going for it is, is the bottom line.
1: Absolutely. And it's interesting, isn't it? You talk about kind of right time, right place. And it, um, the, there's a great book as well called Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell. I don't know if you've come across that book. Yep, we re-summarized we, we yeah. it, yep. <laughs> uh, well, there you go. <laughs> Probably, well, you'll have to summarize Take Your Shot at some point. There's my, my shame right. plug in there. Without a doubt. Without <laughs> a doubt. <laughs> <laughs> we'll make sure we get you a copy. Um, but no, in, in Outliers, um, Malcolm Gladwell obviously talks about, um, you know, he mentions the likes of Bill Gates and Steve Jobs and uh, um, what's his name, Ballmer, the, the other guy in Microsoft and a few other people. And he kind of, it's like one of them ended up being, um, you know, next to the uh, MIT you know the university where he had access to this supercomputer that nobody else did and he managed to kind of Crack, crack the code on the security lock and get in there and use it like he was only allocated two hours a week or something and managed to get in there and use it for 10 hours a day because nobody else knew how to use this thing and then another one ended up with like a warehouse full of parts I think it was Steve Jobs ended up with a, a warehouse full of parts that he could go in and you know take any parts out to build computers with and it's kind of like you think if those guys hadn't have had access to those materials those resources then they wouldn't have necessarily built Apple or Microsoft or any of the large unicorn companies around there so I think like timing has a massive impact on you know maybe it wasn't the right time that so you said you kind of uh when you started out it was a bit of a flop but maybe you had to kind of go through that in order to hit the right time with what you were doing after that
0: without a doubt without a doubt I mean the, the only reason I mentioned the flop part I didn't want to be a downer about it but but the point is is that there's just so much we need to learn and if you go back to first principles or critical thinking, whatever you want to call it. um, That's really, that's a huge deal. So a guy like Jay Abraham gave me uh, a lot of the tools I needed, but it's, it's books like, like I do a lot of reading and, you know, there's, there's a million business books out there. You just mentioned outliers and they all have a very specific thing they can help you with. You know, you read blue ocean strategy and it'll tell you, you know, change your offering like this and, you know, restructure your costs so you're special and everything. There's all these very great specific books you can read. But if you don't have your foundation, you've got trouble. And so like, whenever people ask me what books I, I suggest, I suggest books like, um, the seven habits of highly effective people. Yep. and just pick one habit and really read over that chapter over and over again till it really has meaning for you. Till it's like, you know what? It's really important that I pick the right business, put my, my ladder beside the right building, because I don't want to spend five years going up, uh, putting my ladder up against the wrong building. You know, so, so do that work. So, so that's kind of a foundational thing. And there's, there's another book called Focus out there. And if you can focus on one thing, and get that done rather than three to five things, and get none of them done, or have them take way. They'll just they just take way longer. Um, I'm I'm sorry to, to to hit this point so hard, but this is what this is what was massive for me. And uh, so you know, if you get one other thing out of this for me, read a book like Focus or The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, and, and really internalize at least one part of the learning
1: well i think you can kind of there i mean there are so many great books out there but it, what i like is the fact that you kind of you know jay j, you connected with j abraham and that was the catalyst for you kind of taking that leap of faith and like I, i'm a massive fan of failure like fail big fail fast because fundamentally if you look in the english dictionary um the word success the definition contains fail Oh really i
0: didn't know yeah. that
1: yeah, if you—I uh, can't remember exactly what it is—but if you look it up, the word "fail" appears in the definition of the word "success," but not vice versa. So, if you want success, you have to get out there and fail. Like fundamentally, that's what it's all about.
0: Oh, wow. Well, I—I I mean, I, I totally agree, and—and and, you know, but if you just making those first steps, you know, if you didn't make the first steps, if you were too afraid to fail, like you said, you know, you, you would have never had that success and the bigger than the way you do it. I mean, you know, do many people do it the way you do it? Like, like they really truly fail forward fast.
1: I, I think every business owner needs to, I, I think the most successful ones, you'll see how many different sort of opportunities they've tried or taken on. You know, I mean, if, if you look at basic, but you talked about first principles, but look at um, uh, Edison you know with the light bulb how many experiments did he do before you know all of a sudden one of those experiments worked um, if, imagine if you'd done the first one and it hadn't worked and you'd gone oh well I'll just give up like we wouldn't have well we probably would have light bulbs because there were other guys doing it at the same time um, but it would have been different to probably what we what we've got now in terms of the incandescent light bulbs now i know everything's gone led um so yeah I, I think every business owner needs to get out there and 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 like you know make some kind of failure you talk about kind of even just picking up the phone and speaking to 10 of your past clients yep. how many people would be afraid of doing something like that
0: and, and that's the whole thing it's it, it is tough to go out of your comfort zone like that but when when you get that first person who gives you a you know, a, a smile and a warm welcome, oh, you know, it's, I've, you know, been thinking about you or whatever, you know, I mean, that's the kind of, that's the kind of uh, response I got, which made it very easy after three or four phone calls, you know, so to, to really, you know, keep going. So, but just, just but that, that first phone call, you know, where the phone feels like it's 500 pounds, that's where you've got to summon up your courage and, and do
1: it. And that—that's the fundamental difference, I think. I, I interviewed a guy called John Bucken recently, um, and he has a, a program called the Charm Offensive, and it's this whole process. I mean, his is a cold outreach program, so it's not even kind of pre-warmed like like your your sort of program is. Um, but he was talking about just inject a bit of humor, just be yourself on those calls. Like if you're, if you're just out there being fun and wanting to add value to people's lives, why would you ever get kicked back from that? Like if you genuinely, genuinely want to add value abundantly to somebody else's business or life. And I think that's, that's, that's the kind of the, the key thing is, you know, okay. So somebody might turn around and not get it and they might they might say no or please don't call me again or something like that but like 9 out of 10 people are decent human beings now just like you said they'll they'll like that warm that warmth that warm approach and they'll be as interested in you as as you are in them and vice versa so um i'm a big fan of like it's funny actually because the podcast is called the fearless business podcast so um it's not about being reckless it's actually about fearing those things in business ever so slightly less in order to get results that's kind of where it came from and i think that's kind of what you're talking about here is like do something that you wouldn't normally do but it will get results
0: right And, and and within reason right so uh that like that podcast you're just talking about i listened to that that was fantastic because what he did is he was more natural more himself more of a human being so when you go out as a human being you expect other people to come to you as a human being as opposed to if you went out cold calling with a you know hard sell i mean i know it sounds you know obvious but he he just seems to to put a so you're happy in your skin
1: you know when, when you're when you're doing this cold outreach i think that's great absolutely cool so we're kind of coming towards the end of the interview already that's absolutely flown by Um, I've got two more questions left for you uh, uh, Dan if that's okay so um, first one is um, we've got the I think I know what the answer to this is going to be so it'll be interesting if it's the same but we're going to we're going to jump into the um, fearless business time machine and I'm going to take you back to (laughs) 10 years ago and you're sat next to the 10 year younger version of Dan Uh, what what advice would you give to him
0: Focus on one thing at a time. I'm a guy who's got 15 things going at once, even though I know I shouldn't, you know, but that's what I do. And uh, that's probably the biggest lesson. Just pick one thing and do it. I tell other people that. And when I do it, it makes a big difference.
1: You know, I'm, I'm a massive fan of that. And uh, I, I, if it's okay, I'll explain why. And I think you, again, you touched on it earlier on, but if you're doing like, I don't know, eight things and you're putting 12 and a half percent energy into eight things. Like you're never gonna get any kind of results out of that, especially when in this day and age you need marginal gains that so the, the lot like, of, you know, worth like eight to ten or even one or two percent. That's what makes the difference. So if you're only spending twelve and a half percent energy on one thing, you're never gonna get anywhere with it. So I'm a massive fan and focusing on one thing. Um cool so uh i was just about it it's ironic that your phone's gone then
0: <laughs> i apologize for that
1: robin don't worry I, i'm gonna I leave this in. i'm scrambling it's not that phone, it's not that phone. <laughs> i i'm actually gonna leave this in dan if that's okay this is quite oh, ironic my, just uh, my next uh, question is how can people contact you but well, obviously somebody's already got the message you can
0: email me at uh dan at customerwinback.com. And uh, I've, I reply replied all my email. Uh, what I would suggest is, uh, you know, go to the website, customerwinback.com, read the case study, read the articles. And if you, uh, you know, you should be able to try this out on your own. And if you have any rough spots or, you know, get stuck, you know, feel free to reach out and I will, um, I'm more than happy to help out.
1: Cool. And the you've got the ROI calculator on there, obviously, which um, people can go and visit the website and use for free too, which is absolutely fantastic. And also, your, is it worthwhile p- popping your, your um, LinkedIn profile up there as well, which is uh, Dan M Fister. that's with a sign P, so P-F-I-S-T-E-R at the end, uh, if you want to connect with Dan on LinkedIn. Uh, Dan, it has been a real pleasure. I think you've, um, just with those four simple steps that you introduced um, the listeners to, around the customer win back um, method, I think it's just been absolutely tremendous value. So thank you ever so much for being a guest on the Fearless Business Podcast.
0: Thanks so much, Robin. It was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. Thank you so much.